0: Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We provide fan-oriented and analytic discussions on a variety of animated shows, movies, and anime, including Steven Universe, Gravity Falls, Star Wars Rebels, Moonbeam City, and Ruby. I'm Dylan Eisen, and today I'll be taking you solo through the latest episode of Star Wars Rebels, uh, Relics of the Old Republic, uh, Season 2, Episode 2. We are doing uh, Star Wars Rebels coverage every Wednesday night when it airs. Um... Or n- I'm not on video this week. Uh so just the audio version of this podcast, although we post that on YouTube as well, and you can find all of these links at overlyanimated.com. Uh one thing about the podcast I wanted to mention is I've introduced show specific iTunes feeds. So if you just want to subscribe to our Star Wars Rebels podcasts, um, or another show or multiple shows but not the main feed, you can find those links on overlyanimated.com on the right side a little bit down. And um, so I I mean I'd prefer if you subscribe to the to the main feed, but if you know you're only Interested in this show or a different show? Then I think that's a good way to uh, to reliably get our content without you know receiving uh, three or four podcasts a week, which is what we do. Um, Yeah, let's get into uh, this. Probably a short podcast because it's just me today, so I don't know. I'm not expecting more than fifteen minutes or so, but let's see. Uh, Let's. I'm going to get into uh, relics of the old Republic. The latest episode of Star Wars Rebels, a uh, continuation of last week's uh, first part of the uh, of uh, the series. Um, the series of the season. And, um, so this episode, I I like this episode. The show seems to be incapable of producing a bad episode. I kind of talked about that last week. It's a really, it's probably the show's biggest strength is that it has a very consistent, um, uh, a very consistently, um, above average floor. Uh, in terms of critical quality for the show. So by Floor, I mean uh, the worst episodes of the show uh, is The Floor. And I think that Floor is still an above-average episode of television, even if it's only slightly so. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to say that this is one of the best shows on TV. It's still pretty early in its run, and... Um, it it's I I don't think it is, but I still do very much like it. And there are several times throughout the first season when I think it achieved a very high critical quality of television. I don't think this episode was one of the stronger ones. Um, I I think I said last week's episode was one of the weaker installments of the show. I don't know if this week was was uh, better or worse. This it's it, it. I shouldn't. It, I kind of wish that they were not um divided into two separate weeks uh, because this episode is very much a continuation of last week's a lot of times when two d- shows do two-parters they're really just two separate entries um of course they're gonna have continuing connecting elements the matter story-wise but uh the big question is whether they thematically are the same and this episode to me um was thematically the same as last week's we kind of hit on a lot of the same themes um one of the big character points being kanan's um apparent uh pre-conviction uh, you know, pre-conviction against not liking clones and that prejudice. And I talked about last week how I really love this addition to Kanan's character. And uh, it continues here. It's a major part of this episode. One of the biggest payoffs is seeing Kanan coming back, deciding to come back and save the clones and Rex. And it was a very... Um, it was kind of as emotional as the show gets, I guess, because uh, it, it's a big moment for Kanan's character and for the uh, very strong element that was set up last week. I, I really loved this edition last week because canaan's you know one of the most important characters in the show and uh he didn't have many flaws before this um not that i mean he's kind of a great person so he doesn't need to have obvious flaws but just seeing these more human elements to Kanan um really makes him a very strong character and i do think he is one of the strongest characters on the show now um in large part due to due to this recent addition. so this this connecting episode i really do feel like it's just just a uh, similar thing as last week um because because it thematically connects really uh you know we also have ezra everest connections with the clones and uh everything involving that which is another big uh big uh, element of the show so in terms of grading this critical quality wise it's hard to differentiate it um from last week is 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 my opinion i think overall these two episodes make a fairly solid episode of the show i think it's probably still below average but um but it wasn't bad like i said the show is never bad and even this i still feel like was above maybe one of the worst two episodes of season one uh yeah so let's let me start i guess by getting into the i already talked about one of my biggest positives from this episode which is the Kanan clone prejudice uh not a not a surprise i praised it last week i'll praise again this week i think it was very well handled here i think in retrospect it's an even stronger plot element because we had the payoff here i kind of just liked it as an element of his character last week and here it pays off in terms of the plot of the show so i very much enjoyed that um i think this episode is uh was very action heavy and the show doesn't... In general, I'm someone who is not always instantly engaged by uh, straight-up action sequences. Um, this show a lot of times succeeds more than other shows in terms of engaging me, especially in uh, Jedi Battles. I find those very interesting. This was obviously not one of them. Uh, but I feel like this um, kind of transcended the nor- the typical action scene from the show because it had the element of... Uh, the pretty interesting element of using the Force to find um, these new walkers, you know, quote-unquote new to the show. I'll we'll get to that in a minute, uh, within the storm. Um, and I think that was a great uh, great decision, a great uh, idea for a plot point. Um, it kind of rounds the action sequences within plot. I'm always a big fan of having um, narrative intertwines within your um action sequences of course there's always some narrative but it's usually just the beginning and ending objective and the action sequence is about getting to the end um here we have genuine character growth for both ezra and kanan um and it relates to their trusting of the clones and it's also about the continued growth of ezra as a jedi and kanan uh training ezra i think it's just very well handled um and i i it's kind of surprisingly well handled this is kind of a uh high concept narrative device for the show to be using not the show's incapable of it but um typically the show is kind of um treads pretty safe grounds narratively it's not doing too it, it's it's pretty tropey quote-unquote tropey when i mean that i mean kind of typical narrative devices which isn't a bad thing it's um typical things are usually good and the show plays it safe well, that's a good way of phrasing it the show plays it safe a lot and i feel like this is kind of taking a risk um you could just have a straight up action sequence and it could be uh you know it's it's never going to be bad it's you know it's star wars we expect these type of action sequences for with walkers with uh, vessels with with uh, jedi fights these are things that are going to be expected on the show but here i feel like we're ty- kind of taking a risk by tying our narrative into the to the action sequence and i think it, it succeeds and the episode benefits a lot from it um the episode doesn't lose me with uh, like last week, so I do think this is a stronger episode than last week. Now that I think about it, last week kind of lost me with its fishing sequence um, that was not very strong, and here we don't have an equivalent of that, so I was I was pretty impressed by that. Um, so the I mentioned before the other kind of the big the big thing with this episode, I guess, in terms of Star Wars mythology, I think. Um, now asterisk, I'm not the most knowledgeable about Star Wars mythology, which again isn't to say I don't love the surrounding. Uh, the surrounding everything involving the show. It's just um, I'm not someone who's like constantly into the show as uh, as some other people are. So I'm pretty sure that what this episode is doing is introducing the four-legged uh, AT-AT walker. Um, I did have to look up the name again to remind myself, and I'm also um, unsure of the pronunciation. I looked online, and then there's a lot of <laughs> debate over whether it's at or at um, So I'm going to say Adat, but I'm aware that it's ambiguous, I think. And um, this is not something that, uh, that again, to... I'm pretty sure, that we've seen before in Rebels. We've seen the two-legged walkers a lot. And after doing some research, I believe that in Clone Wars, there is a six-legged version of this. I'm not sure if I remember seeing that in this show. Um, But this represents a, again, I think, uh, evolution in the Star Wars universe to the four-legged Adat at walker, which we eventually see in uh, the original trilogy. Um of course the show is, is takes place between the prequels and the original trilogy, trilogy, so seeing um advances like this are pretty interesting uh in terms of um just how the show functions within our two already established uh, kind of trilogy's properties. Uh, I am sure I'm sure this would be an even bigger thing for a super fan of Star Wars, but even for me, kind of more of a casual fan, it still is very interesting to see. And, you know, if I put like five seconds in to look up what's going on here, although I kind of already could tell. Like I knew from the preview last week I was like, Whoa, we haven't seen those four legged walkers before. Um so but uh if you put in but uh after like looking very basically at the basics of uh what's happening, it's 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 uh pretty interesting to see this evolution. I think that's the type of interesting thing that the show can do. Um it's uh it's kind of limited uh by where it stands within the star wars universe timeline uh i was i read a um an interview on ew i referenced this last week too, entertainment weekly with uh co executive producer dave filoni who um i think that's his title uh, i don't know uh who was talking about how really there's in the initial title or uh, initial the initial crawl for uh, episode four it says uh the rebels achieved their first major victory um and that's kind of uh what happens right when episode four begins so they're so limited by what they can do with this rebellion now um because this is about the formation of the rebellion that we eventually see in the uh in the original trilogy and um seeing and they can't win a, they can't win a major battle ever so you know that's never gonna happen right uh so it's i guess that's a reason that's a reason to focus on ezra and gang primarily because it's not like the sort, the larger force is ever going to do anything major um i assume at some point we'll see a major defeat maybe that comes towards the end of the show or maybe multiple major defeats but i do like using that as a frame to still focus on our main gang who's really the emotional core of the show and we really shouldn't strive too far beyond our uh, our main gang here i feel like uh, Ahsoka's are uh, introducing is already pushing it a little bit and i'm interested to see cuz she's back at the end here if we if she's still a part uh, <coughs> she, excuse me if she's still a part of the um of the major crew and um that's that's a uh that's an interesting question and the answer they kind of shelved her off um for these two episodes and she's back now at the end she kind of had to be back there for the payoff with the clones that was another thing that i'll get to in a second but first let me finish talking about ahsoka who uh who's back now at the end and um she's gone and now she's back and uh, I- i'm skeptical of her being part of the main crew for a significant portion of the season but we'll see what happens this is a new, whole new world here there's a larger rebellion compared to season one i mean. Um, there's this new commander. Um, now we have uh, Rex back here. Is he going to be a major part of things? Uh, so there's a lot to manage. And um, I, I prefer that the show stay within its season one core. Uh, I feel like the Siege of Lothal movie, while maybe one of the most interesting ones to um, to the general, uh, to people who watch, I feel like there's two types of people who watch the show. There's people who watch the show who are Star Wars fans. Um... And then there's people who watch the show who are Star Wars Rebels fans. And I'm not saying those won't overlap, but uh, if you watch the show and you're like, oh, you know, it's Rebels, it's okay. I'm just, I love Star Wars in general, though. This is probably one of the worst properties for Star Wars, which is, you know, is probably true. Star Wars is a very high quality property. Um, there's And this show, while good, is not necessarily incredible yet. Um, so I'm not saying that's not fair, but if you are someone who does that, I feel like the Siege of Lothal movie was probably the most interesting to you because we got to see Vader and it was super important within the, uh the overall uh, Star Wars timeline and mythology. However, um, the Star Wars Rebel fan is which what I would say I fall under, which I think is the person who you want to host a podcast on the show. You want a fan of the actual show itself. Um, and uh, I, I, I find it more interesting to focus on Ezra and our main uh, crew, uh, the crew of the Ghost. I feel like that's um, what I'm attached to in the show. Star Wars Rebels is that main crew. There's really nothing... Um, because the surrounding mythology is part of a larger mythology we don't uh see it's hard to get attached to that it's it's not like that's the show's own you can get attached to Lothal, which is why i thought that was a great choice i've talked about this too many times a great choice to focus season one on Lothal. you can get attached to specific elements but the overall mythology is not like yours as a fan of the show but the, so the only thing that kind of is is the characters. So focusing on them I feel like is really vital to kind of have the show to use a cliché stay within itself, you know. It's um it, it's I just think it's a very very important thing that the show is going to have to manage as it takes on a larger role within the, you know, the Star Wars mythology. Um yeah, so let me I don't know if any if anyone wants to write in let me know if uh if you agree with that, I I feel pretty firm about that. Um, but I could I could say I'm not saying you're wrong if you if you know you like Siege of Lothal more than anything that's happening here. Certainly, that was more exciting than these two first two episodes. However, um, I would prefer if Siege of Lothal is like a once a year type thing. You know, we have an entire season, then we have a special movie that's kind of more general Star Warsy, and we bring Vader back there. Uh, then you know that's fine, but I don't need Vader being the main villain of this season. It's not that I don't need him; I just think it's a mistake because it's a distraction from the core of this show. So I think it's a good idea to introduce two new Inquisitors, which I'll talk about. Um, so the other thing which I think I mentioned two minutes ago and put off is is uh, the whole element of this episode involving um, the backstory with Rex um, and everything and everything there from the Clone Wars. Now I've not seen the Clone Wars show. So that kind of disqualifies me from talking about this. So, but um, I think that this episode does a decent job of kind of laying the, uh, giving enough information and laying the framework so that the emotional beats can still pay off for non-Clone Wars viewers and even people who watch Clone Wars who just haven't you know seen it for a while because the show hasn't been on for a little bit. I think it does a decent job of managing the past mythology. It's like not only is this show dealing with uh, you know all of the movies, it had a previous animated show that it's kind of trying to pay off here too with Ahsoka and Rex, and um, that's a lot to tell That's a lot to manage. Um, it's I'm 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 worried that they're going to get lost within it. As I said before, but um, stuff involving uh, Rex and the clones. Uh, it's it's I love that they tie it to Kanan. That's the main thing um we see the clone the previous Clone Wars through our kind of main character lens in Kanan not the Kanan's the main character he's kind of I guess the secondary main character of the show um but seeing it through someone who we can emotionally connect to uh is a great uh focal point for the viewer of this show and uh, having them emotionally care about all the Clone Wars stuff that we're bringing up so that's I think that's really good and um and seeing it pay off at the end with Ahsoka in terms of Kanan, uh, you know, in terms of all of them earning Ahsoka's trust, I guess, uh, in terms of them making her happy. But it's like, it's not because of that. It's because um, Kanan couldn't abandon these people, even if he had a prejudice against them. And it's also the element of they tied to his past too. Maybe not them directly, but uh, these type of people. And um, it, it, uh, I think it works here. I think it maybe the show maybe had was a little too last if anything, the last episode was the exposition he one involving this stuff and was the one that maybe tied too heavily to Clone Wars, and this I think uh, does does handle it very well. Um let's talk I haven't even talked about a lot of elements of of the show yet. Uh, Let's talk for a second about the new Inquisitor introduced at the end, who's apparently named Fifth Brother, voiced by Philip Anthony Rodriguez. I'm not super familiar with him, but he sounded very menacing and interesting at the the end of this. Uh, I was a huge fan of Jason Isaac's Inquisitor in the first season. Um, Great decision, I think, to have him... uh, his battles with Kanan were some of the best parts of season one, and he was extremely menacing. Um, unlike Agent Kallus, Ooh, I didn't talk about that. Um, so introducing Fifth Brother uh, here is is interesting, and also how he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't care what what Agent Kallus does. You know, he's like uh, Admiral Constantine at the end is like, yeah, we kind of, we kind of screwed over Kallus. You know, he might, may, he may be dead here. And uh, Fifth Brother comes in and is like, you know, I don't care. <laughs> It's, it's, it's pretty interesting, and it kind of raises the stakes a little bit, so I, I like that decision. Um, I care not for your struggles. I will succeed where you and Callus have failed. Uh, kind of very general line of dialogue from the show, but that tends to happen. Um, it's, it, 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 it's, the show's surprising in how it can pull off these kind of cliche lines, I think. I kind of buy into it in a way I didn't think I would before I started the series. Not that I think they're great, but I'm fine with them. I didn't think, I, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I just didn't think I would react that way before I started the show. Um, let me talk about Agent Kallus for a second. I don't think I talked about this yet. Uh, the, my reaction to kind of the first season of the show, when we when we met Agent Kallus, was like, wow, this guy is not interesting. He is instantly kind of made incompetent by the uh, initial rebel gang in like the first movie and uh, of the show before episode one. And he's just instantly, we know he's not that big of a threat. And he's not that interesting a villain. We don't really know anything about him. I like how we kind of intersperse him throughout uh, season one, but he's never the main threat. Uh, the Inquisitor steps into that role, and um, even before that, we have the uh, the uh, council member, you know, woman who's who's also even bigger threats than than him. It's uh, it, he's he's just not a very interesting villain. He's kind of the bumbling villain. So. I think it's a mistake to have him be the main opposition force in this episode. Um, it's handled okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's not handled badly because he's not the threat. It's the new adat. That's the threat so i like how that is um is we know like the the writers know that um agent callous is not a menacing threat so we have to bring in a new type of uh you know vessel vehicle whatever it's uh to uh to to have any challenge at all to our uh people (laughs) to our established um heroes who constantly just defeat uh the empire right that's kind of the thing with the show that's another thing that's not a threat of stormtroopers stormtroopers are kind of almost comical in the show in how often they do not <laughs> hit with their guns and how often they're easily defeated by uh the uh, rebels um so it's it's i think it's a little bit of a mistake to bring callous back here they handle it fine given that they bring him back like i think nothing they do is bad and i think it's a actively good decision to bring in the new technology to mask his his uh his presence like you need no new technology with jason isaac's inquisitor he's just instantly a presence instantly super menacing with callus you have to have additions so uh it's i just i just i just question the initial decision to bring callus as the threat for this episode now um if you're gonna do it at all you have to do it here because we have to escalate from here we bring in we uh kind of have the tease at the end of this episode for the new inquisitor and we work our way up from there um we're gonna then we're gonna bring in Mar- sarah michelle geller as the seventh sister which is gonna be super interesting i'm excited for that and um so but this episode these two episodes come off of vader as our main villain you can't get better than vader and we go to aging callous oh man that's not a good <laughs> that's not a good shift uh, so I, I don't, maybe the correct decision is to instantly bring in fifth brother. Um, I know that's a lot of episodes where you have to have the, the two inquisitors, uh, sustain being kind of the villainous force, but, um, you're kind of leaving these two initial episodes out to dry. And even though you have a lot of great elements to it, these can't, these can't, um, ascend to the levels of some of the best of season one or get even close without this great opposition force. Um, and Agent Kiles is certainly not that. So, uh, I think, I think these two episodes do get a little screwed by the planning of the season. Uh, it's like, you have to have, um, you have to have an escalation in, uh, in the opposing force. So uh, so it starts off small and then we get bigger and uh, this is the small. And um, as a result, the small can't can't uh, send to fights that we want it to. I think it probably would have been a good idea to these episodes both at once to get it, to get past them. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm fine with, with letting this season last as long as possible. It's, it, I can see this season seeming very quick. It's only we have a limited number of episodes. I'm not actually sure how many episodes. Not sure if that has been um has been uh or determined yet. Pro I would assume the same as the first season. Nope, twenty this season. Okay, interesting. So that is a lot. So I would have uh I think maybe we should have heard these two at the same time. Anyway, <laughs> other things here that we have not discussed. I love them freaking out over the four legs. I talked about that, yeah. They call them giant death machines. They eventually say walkers, which I think is a fine word for them within the canon. Uh it's um could refer to them as walkers and um it's their presence in the show. Honestly, they do not seem super threatening. So this is a possible potential problem. Uh, kind of halfway through the episode, Ezra decapitates one of the Yadats. and it's like, okay, instantly they're not that big threats. I mean, we have to—they had to retreat into a storm to avoid them. But it's like with some careful Jediing, we can easily mm-hmm. defeat them. So. It's, I feel like they're only a threat for their, like, introduction, and then it's like, know. you know, they kind of, they kind of solve the problem once they come back for, um, Rex in the same way that they have with the, uh, with, um, TIE Fighters and the regular two-legged walkers with, uh, they, uh, they uh take over the vessel. They've done the same thing. Zeb drops in. and he's like, hi, and he smashes their heads together and then he take he's uh he takes over the vessel. We've done this like at least twice before, guys. It's the same thing. And then you fight the other ones with the one that you have commandeered. So that's the that's the formula, you know. This is the typical this is we can call this the Zeb. That's the that's called the maneuver. This is the Zeb now, it's the maneuver. Um, so yeah, it's the they're not that threatening, honestly. I didn't feel I never felt super worried for our heroes in this episode, I guess, is my journal point. Um, what else we got? We had a little I, I always want our uh, I think I'm gonna start the segment, our uh, shipping watch of the week for there's only one possible relationship in the show Sabine and Ezra. Um, and um, what did what I wrote down? Sabine balancing Ezra here, I guess, when he was trying to get onto the gun and stuff. Um, so, uh, brief, brief note on that. I, I've kind of loved how they've handled, uh, this potential Sabine Sabine and Ezra thing, because when Sabine got introduced, or once we, like, saw her more than two seconds, I was worried that she would just be this, uh, straight, be, her character would be taken over by being Ezra's love interest, Ezra the main character, and, um, it, uh, it um, has not definitely not happened that way if anything we've gone for more of a slow burn type thing but i kind of love how they've handled in that it's just like awkward teenage flirting (laughs) between the two mostly from ezra's side and uh it's it's kind of made uh it's made this plot element much more sympathetic than it could have been if it's like thrusted into the spotlight um side note we i was worried about it consuming sabine's character but we also don't have really that too much of a character for sabine that's something i'd like to see uh, built ups in this season is um, Sabine and especially Hera too. Um, having doing more things, um, kind of we do, we I we know a general backstory for Sabine, but we have not seen uh, that much. Uh, we don't. We know only generalities from one episode of uh, of of season one. Um, what else do I have on my show notes that I took for for this episode? Um, we actually saw Hera in more than two seconds here. She's talking to Chopper chopper was <laughs> we can have your is toler is chopper tolerable watch every week I get very annoyed by chopper um chopper was tolerable <laughs> this episode, so there you go he he was fine um what we got here uh we had the whole element of the storm um I talked about how uh, I like them and using the jedi things um I have uh agent Callus responding to one of his. His um soldiers. No, you are losing them. We're losing them in the storm. No, you are losing them by slowing down. Full speed ahead. And uh, I had lol callus written down. Like, okay, callus, you're you're super menacing. Sure. Um, they yeah, uh, they uh they just decapitate them very easily. Uh, at the, everything with Admiral Constantine that was weird. Um, that he's that he's a name. I don't know if we had a name before, and that he's uh. This this I guess this is this uh, new Inquisitor instantly just discarding Callus' life is like a typical way to gain. Uh, ooh, he doesn't care. He's scary, you know. <laughs> He's he doesn't even care for his own subordinates. So I guess that's a pretty uh, typical way to go about that. Um, yeah, I think that I probably covered it, covered it. <clears throat> everything. Here, excuse me. Um. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Relics of the old Republic. Um, overall. Decent episode. Not great, but better than last week. So I've determined. As I've as I've talked about it, I've determined it's better than last week. Um very much looking forward to next week. Let me I think I had a description up here somewhere. I saw the like half of the preview before the recording cut off. But uh let's see. Always two are the two there are. So a nice Yoda the title there. Um while searching for supplies on the fleet, Ezra, Sabine, Zeb, and chopper are going on a daring mission to an abandoned metastation but when two inquisitors sent by darth vader are endangering sabine and ezra zeb and chopper have to find a way to save them so we get both inquisitors next week that's exciting very interested to see sarah michelle Michelle geller as the uh, other inquisitor um and uh, potentially a Zeb and Chopper focused episode. Interesting. Zeb, uh, I feel like is one of our more established characters, but only from the first half of season one. After that, he was kind of shoved to the background. Um, so I'm not. Uh, I'm fine with him become coming into the spotlight a little bit here again because it's been a while. That being said, I know I feel like Zeb has a really good, um, well established character and a nice uh, emotional attachment from the audience to him um Zeb and Chopper probably are two most annoying characters so let's see let's see how that works out although is pretty annoying too okay um there you go we'll cover that next week October 28th and um I'm Dylan Heisen uh you can find out everything about this podcast at overlyanimated.com and you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Thank you to our current patrons, Shana, Mitch, Cordell, Beatrice, Nate, Andy, and Jamie, aka Haina, Fever, Mitch, Cordell, University, Beats, Exchange, Buzz Your Mailman. Um, we really need your support, and you can do that on patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Um, other notes about overlyanimated.com, I've kind of been revamping the website in the past week. I have added a blogs section, so you can check out my recent posts about um, general animation topics there um and i i mentioned our show specific itunes feed uh follow kind of follow find our like tumblr and twitter links and follow us there for more uh, updates and more of the and updates on the blog posts upcoming podcasts uh tomorrow i will be discussing moonbeam city with delaney um and then big uh big thing is ruby is back rwby on um for those who are not familiar is that spelled uh on saturday and um We'll be hopefully covering Ruby regularly every week. I'm very excited to do that. I'm rewatching, uh, going through volume one of Ruby right now. I'm going to hopefully rewatch both of them before Saturday. I'm very excited. Big fan of Ruby. And uh, yeah, so those are our upcoming podcasts. I'll be back potentially with Mel for a two person podcast this week. But once again, I've talked for 30 minutes straight. <laughs> so I don't know how I did that. But I did have to stop for like. Um, like pauses, drinking water pauses. Um, a lot more talking than normally. Usually, I just throw it to coast and um, listen. Uh, but yeah, let me know. Let me know what you thought of this, of our Star Wars Rebels coverage, and we'll see you next time. So thanks for listening, guys. Bye.